Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Who wants to play a game? For hide and seek. Is this hide and seek? Are we really going to play that? This is this is the emergency broadcast system. It is intended for mature audiences. Now a warning. You're with the sex pits. Hide and seek on joy. I'm too sexy for my love. Too sexy for my love, love's going to leave. Yes, you certainly are. This is Hide and Seek on Joy 94.9. You're with myself, Tim Little. Michael Whelan is over there. All the way over here. And oh. John Cock is here in the studio. Hi. Hello. Providing comic relief. And, you know, the and ability the to relief. say cock on air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, now, Tim, we are recording remotely today. We are in our... Gorilla Studios. Mm-hmm. I know, they had to do a bit of a deep clean, didn't they, after last time? <laughs> after the last two episodes, <laughs> um, being nude in the studio with the two of you and um, having Craig and Damien along, they thought, look, let's just sanitise the whole studio. I don't care what you say, there were no skid marks on those chairs. And they got the smudge sticks out, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got the jizz off the panel. Uh, so we are recording um, off-site today. We are doing a... Regular episode, but we're doing it podcast only. So you if you're a podcast subscriber, thank you very much for tuning in. You are getting exclusive content that has not been broadcast live to air on Joy 94.9. We have taken the liberty of submitting a couple of our quickie episodes, which are being broadcast probably as we as you listen, as we yes, speak. indeed. Uh, so if you have downloaded our quickies before, you'll get a bit of a resampling on Joy 94.9 this week. And we thought we would take this time to break away, do a little bit of off-air recording and catch up about a few topics that are kind of permeating throughout community. Well, they're getting around a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and make sure you subscribe as well. Head to joy.org.au forward slash hide and seek. You can catch all the podcasts and podcast extras as quickies too. Mm-hmm. Mm. So we wanted to touch base on a few things tonight. Um, we wanted to have a bit of a, a community powwow, I guess, about... Uh, the thing that's, I, I guess, soon to be on everybody's lips, which is monkeypox. Oh. Well, I hope not to have it on well, my let's, lips. Let's hope. Don't have it on your lips. With yeah. the, uh, with the preface that we <laughs> are um, talking about monkeypox in a very general nature, we're not providing any clinical guidelines, any medical advice, other than what has been suggested and promoted by our key stakeholders in this space, the, the WHO, the Australian government, Victorian government, and our... Um, fantastic community organisations like our our Acon and our Thorn Harbour here. Our Exactly. We're not doctors. Yes. Everyone that's doing the good work. Um, but I'm not a doctor. With, with that in with that in mind, we are going to be having a bit of a monkeypox powwow today. 
Um, and we would love to hear what your thoughts are, what your concerns are, what questions do you have about monkeypox? Obviously, we can't answer them live on air, A, because we're not live on air, and B, we would love to talk to a doctor about it. Yes. So we would love, if you jump on our social media, there will be a link to our NGL, which is our Ask Us Anything link. Uh, they are completely anonymous, so you can drop a link in there, or you can feel free to email us, uh, hideandseek at joy.org.au. Uh, drop a question in there, and then in a week's time, in a couple of weeks, we might engage some people working in epidemiology, in the research space, in hopefully, fingers crossed, potentially vaccine rollout and have them answer your questions either live on air or we will post them to our Instagram story, um, making sure that those are all evidence-based opinions and have the best scientific backing. We're not just here to ramble about something we don't know everything about. And I have to say, I was a bit alarmed seeing some people's Insta posts with the rashes occurring on the face. Mm. They look pretty painful. There was, yeah. a, there was a meme going around that um, one, of, um, one of our um, joint friends and probably I think also a, a listener of the program <laughs> shared that was like the queer people finding out that, um, uh, that COVID can make you sick for a week and could potentially kill you. And it was just like, meh. And then monkeypox potentially leaving scars. scars. And they were just like, what? <gasps> um, yeah. So obviously we have come out of a global pandemic. We have a number of different bugs circulating and have been for the last couple of years. We yeah. had Japanese encephalitis. We had Ebola before that. We've had um, hepa and meningococcal outbreaks. So I can understand if our community feels a little bit uh, a little bit exhausted from health messaging. We've, we've done this well, yeah. day in and day out for a while, but it is important to stay up to date with the most accurate information so that you can make the best choices to inform your... Um, yeah. I think that's something that we uh, as a community have experienced for quite a while. When uh, when COVID first started kicking off, you had I had all of these people coming to me, straight people going, uh, and there's this thing that we're supposed to do called contact tracing and stuff. Oh, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Queer people have been doing this for a very long like, time. Yes. Yeah, it's like, for me, that's Tuesday after a big weekend. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> But I thought before we get into the, the nitty gritty of it all, let's have a bit of a, a general overview of what monkeypox is, what MPXV is, um, and how we how we need to start thinking about it as a as a bug that is circulating in the community. So it's basically from the same family of viruses as the varola virus, mm-hmm. um, which causes smallpox. This yeah. is what I've read online on health.gov.au. Um, so it's a, a very rare illness that started in Africa. Mm-hmm. Central and West Africa, to be specific. Yeah. It's been endemic there for quite some time. Um, 30 years or something. Yeah, around. I think it's around 30 years it's been, it's been around for. But it's generally, prior to this current outbreak, been um, contained to people in Central and West Africa or those people that have just returned from travelling there that have picked it up while they're there. But what we're starting to see in this current outbreak is it's spreading to other communities and having... Um, uh, community transmission occurring. Yep. Indeed. And it was first reported in Australia in May this year. So very interesting. Lots mm. of people travelling overseas in Europe and places like that have arrived back in the country and found that they've got some They've picked it up while symptoms. they've been travelling. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And there have been people who have even brought it back from the US. So Yeah. And there's been a lot of conversation around, well, what do we... You know, what do we do about this virus um, mm. with their, you know, we've just come out of COVID. COVID was, it's not that it was easier to prevent, but there was some very hard and fast clinical governance yeah. that came out hard quite quickly fast. around, A, Sorry. we need vaccines, but, um, you know, wearing of masks and social distancing, things that you can do to 
mitigate COVID that you just generally assume is everywhere. Um, the same isn't exactly true of monkeypox in that we don't just assume that it's everywhere. And you generally get it in close contact settings. Question for you both. Did mm-hmm. you ever get chicken pox as children? I have a funny story about chicken pox, actually. My, oh my mum forgot that I had chicken pox. How? She, <laughs> when I, I, I raised this question because um, someone in my circle had contracted or had, um, had developed Shigella. Uh, not Shigella. Oh, I've had Shigella as well. <laughs> shingles. Not Shigella. Shingles. Um, uh, so that person had developed so shingles. So easy to get ch- the two confused. They both start with S. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They both shit you. <laughs> they both shit you. They, um, and that generally crops up once you've already had chickenpox. Uh, and I said, I've, I was very young. Um, I said, I, I've had chickenpox, haven't I? Why haven't I asked this question before? And I've had chickenpox. My mum, without missing a beat, goes, oh, one of you had it, meaning either me or my sister. I'm like, ah! it's grade A parenting right there. Um, <laughs> but it turns out, yes, we have both had chickenpox. I think we had it separately, though. We didn't get it at the same time. Do you like, remember how itchy you were? No, I, I, I was very oh. young. I don't even remember having mm. it. So probably a blessing. Um but my, I think my auntie was regaling a story of I think having to like duct tape mittens to me so that I wouldn't Aww. scratch myself. Oh, you poor thing! The other, the downside to having it when you're so young is that you don't have the immunity. Well, you you don't have. If someone tells you to stop scratching yourself, you can't. You don't understand. Sure. To stop, you don't understand what the what that means. You're like so one you're of those like, puppies who just, needs the cone around their neck. Yeah, I've if oh, I was if I was shame. my own parent, I would have just given me a, a cone. Um, Chickenpox? Uh, I honestly can't remember whether... I know I have had either chickenpox or I think measles, but I don't remember which one because it was a very, very long time ago. That could be a um, fun thing to find out later Yeah, in life. not yeah. so much because uh, mm. as much as I... Uh, remember parts of my childhood fondly, the world in black and white uh, version of chickenpox or measles or whichever it was. Not something I'm keen to revisit. No. Mm. I remember taking probably one week at least off school and my mum absolutely covering me in calamine lotion. Mm-hmm. That smell haunts me to this day. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a sense it's memory a trigger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's very stinky. But it's the only thing that helps. Indeed. Mm-hmm. So this thing is similar in that you've got lesions and a very distinctive rash often as blisters on the face. Yeah, face, Yikes. hands, uh, the anogenital region it appears in, but you, it can really pop up anywhere. And if you're someone that follows kind of what's happening in the monkeypox space, all you have to do is pop the hashtag monkeypox into Twitter or Instagram. Oh, and, please not. And there's a few people that are sharing kind of what their mm. experience is like, like here's day one, day two, day three, which for me is very like very open, very helpful as someone that may end up you know, I'm, a, I'm an at-risk population, which we'll get into in, in a little bit. If I were to ever come come down with this thing, it's it's great to know that there are people out there that have gone, fuck stigma, fuck what you think about this virus, fuck what you this think about what queer you people. This is what you need to know. Pragmatically, here is what I'm experiencing. It's good to know that there are yeah. people out there that are, that are doing that. I don't know if I would be so open about having like sores on, on mm. my face or in my genital region. I just don't know if... It's one of those things. I would have to get it to, to find out whether I would be comfortable sharing that with people. So if you are one of those people, kudos for, for mm-hmm. what you're doing for the community. It's really interesting uh, delving through the stigma of this because mm. there are a lot of people in our community with body issues, yeah. the way that they look at themselves in the mirror and they mm. view themselves, 
And this is just another layer, isn't it? It's almost this deep-seated fear. Yeah. And, it's, and it obviously harkens back to, you know, queer people, gay men or men who have sex with men, specifically being, for the last 40 years, looked at as a vector of disease amongst some communities. So it's, it's been a difficult conversation as, as someone that's kind of in this sector that plays in this space. Haha, <laughs> fingers <laughs> um, plays in this space, but um, uh, to weigh up the practicality of you know this is not a gay disease, it is not a sexually transmitted infection. Um, however, it is primarily impacting globally um, outside of Central and West Africa mm. men who have sex with men. Yeah, uh, and it is primarily being transmitted in scenarios where sex is happening, um, and that can be a funny thing to think about that it's it's not an STI, but you can probably and most likely would pick it up in close contact settings where you would be you know, sharing intimate bodily contact. And that's true of other things like the common cold. You can easily get that when you're having sex. No, it's not an STI. Same for COVID. If you're close enough to have sex with someone, you're probably close enough to transmit. So I remember one of the things that came out of the US was uh, the idea that if you're going to be having sex with randoms uh, during COVID, then you should limit it to uh, forms of contact that aren't going to be as likely to uh, have the opportunity for transmission. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably going to end up being one of the uh, strategies to adopt Mm -hmm. in the monkeypox space. Yeah. And because the the ways that it could be transmitted are, it's, it's not... It's not the same as COVID, obviously. No, no, of course. No. But if you're having close, intimate contact, both things are a risk um, because it can be trans- transmitted by generally close contact if someone has already developed a rash or those sores, mm-hmm. those lesions that we were talking about. Um, there's suggestions that, um, you know, respiratory droplets, it could possibly be aerosol transmission. There's still a lot of research that needs to happen in that space. Um, bodily fluids, it has been found in semen, but I don't know whether we know what that means for say saliva ingest semen or whether you were to receive semen like anorectally or um, vaginally what that would mean for transmission routes um uh and also um contaminated materials so thinking about something like like body lice or scabies can be transmitted when you're like sharing bed sheets sheets or towels Mm -hmm. or those sorts of things um the other potential vector of transmission or something to consider is that if you're someone that picks up monkeypox, obviously you want to isolate away from everyone, particularly Mm. your partners and things like that, notify everyone. Um, But to steer clear of your pets, as difficult as that can be. So if you're going to be isolated... Never thought about that. Um, It can be transmitted to your pets and then onto other people that the pets may be interacting with or back to yourself, that sort of thing. Oh, Jesus. Um, So the recommendation is that if you do have pets, get someone to look after them. um, See, I think that's one of the things that if... I had monkeypox. I would probably feel so miserable in that period because I'm I'm a man flu kind of. Uh, I get sick and it, yep. it's tears Aww, and it's the full the full Oscars moment. Um, I think if I couldn't cuddle my dog at that time as well, nope, the world is ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all over. Oh, and to have to isolate away from him. Yep. But just, you know, obviously you would want to make sure that you've got a, a good friend that can look after them and maybe yeah. send you, like, some FaceTimes. Um, oh, yeah, totally. some, some video content to make sure that you're staying connected with your pets. Because when I had COVID, we're fortunate in our current place. Subscribe to my OnlyFurs. Subscribe to the OnlyFurs, exactly. Ah! Um, we have a wraparound balcony, so our bedroom where I was isolating, the pets could come out on the balcony and wander around and, like, 
wiggle in front of the window and be like, what are you doing? What's going on? <laughs> so I could at least like press against the window and be like, I love you. And what about other people touching your pets? Dogs well, in particular? Uh I'm not sure, to be honest. Mm, um, it's an interesting thought, isn't it? You would potentially not want there to be that transmission transmission risk factor if you'd like five days into your infectious period been like, oh, this is monkeypox and the pet has been around you. I would probably seek some clinical advice on what that would mean for you and for your pets um, and how long that pet might want to refrain from cuddles before they were fine. It may be straight away. I'm not. I'm not actually sure how long the monkeypox virus lives outside the body, other than like bedding and stuff. Mm. Um, so it might be a matter of just getting someone else yeah. to look after them and just steering clear a little bit. Thankfully, because it's not as, um, uh, it's not as transmissible as something like COVID in just like sharing spaces together that we know of. Um, because that we would probably see a lot more transmission in in settings oh, yeah. such as what we're in now where we're sitting across the table from each other we would probably be seeing a lot more of that if it was very contagious through aerosol transmission mm. but again more kind of research needs to be done so do you think that they space. are reconsidering the rules uh, rules the guidelines around um coughing and sneezing and those kind of claims Get, they're getting rid of coughing and sneezing they're reconsidering no. it we don't want that anymore <laughs> yeah no no i think we're no, done in with terms that. of what sneezing they're saying in terms of what they're saying um Transmission through respiratory droplets, for example, coughing or sneezing is less common, mm. but usually when there is prolonged face-to-face contact. I mean... But it also depends on whether the direct, like the face-to-face contact in this setting is actually what the, like correlation is not causation. So you yeah, can say, okay. well, we were sitting in a room together. It's like, but then you also went off and went to an orgy together for five hours. Yeah. Could that be what the transmission route was? So we just... There's, there's still some unknowns in this space around, I think particularly around respiratory droplets and aerosol transmission that are still yet to be defined. I think a lot of health agencies are being like super pragmatic, super cautious. I think that WHO has suggested that aerosol or respiratory droplet transmission is Possible. something to be to consider. Is it as um, likely or as as infectious in that space? I don't have that information at my fingertips, and I don't. I wouldn't want to suggest. Um, but I think more re- research is still ongoing. So for those listeners who want to perhaps prepare themselves, be a little bit more cautious, what are some of the prevention strategies that we can talk about today? Well, we're not doctors, but there no, is some information there's, out there. There's, there's things that you can consider, um, especially in an Australian context where, and we'll probably get into this in a bit, we don't have a vaccine rollout at this stage. Um, a lot of what we are suggesting from our clinical spaces and from our health promotion agencies like the one that I work for is to kind of watch and act. Be yeah. uh, be um, alert but not um, not scared. It's not it's not a time and a space to be to be frightened. Um, but if you are someone that's going to be travelling overseas, obviously there's a lot more cases overseas and travel if you're a you know highly sexually active men who have sex with other men or people that have sex with men who have sex with men, you're at a higher risk and to engage in the right risk reduction strategies that work for you. And that might be you're going to Stisha's Bear Week and maybe you're going to the beach with all of the bears and maintaining a distance and not sucking off 900 of them. So maybe, but <laughs> for do. other people, having that taking on that risk is an acceptable risk for them because mm. people consider that monkeypox is a self-limiting virus in that you clear it within... Um, after the infectious period is done, I think it's around 21 days, you, you clear the virus out of your system and they may see that as an acceptable risk for them to take on. At least then I know I've 
blown those 900 bears. I just need to then think about what my isolation strategy is. <laughs> well, and boy, are my lips tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are other things in terms of, um, obviously, we know that close contact with, you know, um, skin-to-skin contact, whether it's lesions or rashes, um, now might be a great time to think about breaking out your, you know, head-to-toe rubber cat suit. And when you're going out and socialising and rubbing up against oh, people, you're rubbing me, latex. Excuse me, I have to correct you there, Michael. Mm-hmm. If it's head-to-toe, it's a zentai. A zentai. <laughs> <laughs> or when you're going on public transport, put a mask on. I'm not seeing that at the moment. I mean, it's going to yeah. prevent... COVID, COVID and as the flu well. and all yeah. sorts of things. It's not a bad risk reduction strategy to take, but again, b- because it's not the highest risk mm. um, uh, way of transmitting monkeypox, is it the most effective use of your time? Well, yes, it is in a grander context around COVID. the flu and COVID and that sort of thing. But thinking about who you're engaging in sex with, we did a lot of this messaging during COVID around, well, if you're going out and having sex with a large number of people, um, during COVID especially, we suggested you could think about containing some of those sexual networks. So Having a say, bubble group. Okay, exactly. can I just so, clarify? Yep. A large number of people mm-hmm. is... In, Subjective. Yep. <laughs> so I think... 50. Is a large number, Tim. <laughs> but for some people, that's like... That's the starter wife. That's yeah, like, that, well, wow, okay. I would that's do that Friday during pre drinks. Yeah. That's Friday morning. Um, <laughs> um, but yes, a, a large number of people is subjective. But if you mm. say ordinarily in a week you would have sex with 50 people, which I would be exhausted. Mm, me um, too. Wow. But you could think about, um, say, the three of us were all single queer men attracted to each other. We could all have sex together. And then we would have as much sex as we like, but only amongst our network. In our of bubble. Mm. And having that dialogue around. If the bubble expands or if I burst the bubble, having that conversation between the three of us or John, say, is going to Stisha's Bear Week and we um, preclude John from the sex bubble when John returns until the the 21 days has elapsed. There there are things that you can do and I'm not saying anyone needs to do any of these particular things, but those are some of the things that you can do. This is sounding kind of like uh, in the early noughties, uh, I remember uh, there were groups of us up in Sydney who would engage in... Uh, sex <gasps> in uh, talk test trust scenarios. Sure. So yep. uh, we'd work out who was going to be part of the group. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd all get tested and then we'd keep getting tested on a fairly regular basis. Yeah. Um, my understanding, though, is that there aren't any clinical uh, tests currently available that have been approved for monkeypox. And which is why mm. it's the, the general consensus is that your infectious period generally starts when you break out in those rashes and things like that. So even if some of those earlier symptoms develop around flu, you may not be, because there's like flu and fever that can be part of the, yep. the process, the symptoms, um, you may not be infectious during that period. So right. once you break out in, in a rash or sores and lesions, you would probably know and therefore you're probably... Like, that's when your infectious period starts. So while testing um, for people that aren't symptomatic isn't readily available, yes, you can go and get tested. Um, And it's probably worth mentioning that if you are a person that's just returned, um, you've had contact with someone that does have monkeypox, and you're thinking that maybe you So all those people who are currently at Dory Alley... Well, that's the thing. There's a... a, And this has been part of the communication strategy um, insofar as working within our queer communities. It's like, hey, are you going to Berlin? Are you going to Dory Alley? Are you going to the, we've just had Pride season internationally. Mm. Are you returning about those things? While there isn't a lot you can do in terms of vaccination at this stage, be thinking about, okay, I've been in those scenarios and if something does crop up on your skin, just maybe pay it some extra attention and keep an eye on it. And yeah. then if 
things develop. But if you are thinking about testing, not to just turn up to your doctor's practice or to your sexual health clinic and say, hey, does this look like monkeypox to you? Um, which is what is strange. Call ahead. FaceTime. Call ahead. Because yeah. that's what you would do if you ordinarily got like a genital rash. Be like, mm, is this herpes? Like, I'm not sure. Yeah, you want to know, right? You want to know. You would just make an appointment and turn up. It's best to follow agencies like your Acon, your Thorn Harbour, go to the Better Health Channel, and we'll have all of these links in our podcast. So do not furiously mm-hmm. write them down. Head to joy.org.au forward slash hide and seek. These will all be there. Um, is to, yeah, call ahead to those specialist sexual health clinics and say, hey, I may have been exposed to monkeypox or I think I might have it. Um, what is the process? And there's a lot of PPE that needs to happen for the for the testing staff. Because what we don't want to happen is that a whole bunch of people with monkeypox transmit it to the people testing for monkeypox and then we have a bottleneck oh, scenario. Wow. Oh, so, yeah. Something we're very cognizant of with how we've overworked our health workforce during during COVID and, um, you know, had outbreaks in hospitals and had to shut down aged care and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I don't need to reiterate it because we're all aware of it. Yeah. So yep. big respect to the people working in that space. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so far you can't die from it, right? It's uh, it's it, something that is visible on your body and it is painful. It is a self-limiting virus. You may be left with, for those people that get those kind of legions on their, their face and body like some that we've seen online, they can leave scarring in the same way that like acne scarring can occur. Yeah. Um, but it can be it can be lethal in a small number of people. I think predominantly in immunocompromised people and mm. children, um, people that don't have strong immune systems, um, that that is a concern. But for your general average generally healthy adult, no, not deadly, um, but incredibly uncomfortable from the people that I know that have had it and the people online that I've spoken to that are like, you, like if you get it, you get it, but you don't want to get this thing if you can avoid it. So yeah. take, the, take, the risks, uh, take the risks that are appropriate from you and the precautions that are appropriate for you. And then obviously this conversation will all change once we have a vaccine rollout, which is starting to happen. Obviously they've had good success in like, particularly in like New York, in um, San Fran, in San Fran, and in uh, London, where they've had outbreaks and they're starting to roll out the vaccines. Places like Berlin, um, of people uptaking the community because as queer men, we are very generally community attached. Gay men are very good about monitoring their sexual health. Who knew? Mm, indeed. So we're very, Actually, we're I think very that's engaged. something that I've heard from people who are at Dory Alley or some of the other international events going on at the moment, who have gone there from Australia have actually gone and gotten their first doses of monkeypox vaccines while they're over there. For those that are kind of live in the HIV space, there is a global HIV conference that's going on that happens to be in Canada. And I know a few people that have um, quite often when these conferences happen, someone will book in their trip to go as part of the conference and then like tack a holiday on the end of it. Yep. Staying overseas, getting their vaccines while they're there because they have access to it. Oh, mm-hmm. That's an idea. Yeah, because why wouldn't you? I certainly would be. Yeah. Yeah, Um, But in terms of the Australian rollout, we tend to be a bit slower at things, uh, not mentioning any names, but the, you know, the blovid black scene was... (laughs) (laughs) Hang on, hang on. No. ...was was very belaboured. We don't have access to a vaccine here yet. You technically could get access to the smallpox vaccine, which has some effect on the current monkeypox outbreak, but I think one person in Australia has received it... um, it has some side effects that I don't think are as some. good as this new generation <laughs> of vaccines. Um, so I would generally recommend <laughs> waiting for the new wave. Um, the, the government has confirmed at least one of the two new 
next gens we will receive. Awesome. We don't know exactly when that will happen, and they've kind of or hinted to what extent. They've kind of hinted that, uh, like elsewhere in the world, it's going to take a while to get a large number of doses of the vaccine. So it may only be in those higher risk individuals mm. that get it initially. So. There may be a bit of back and forth in the community. Well, why aren't I eligible? Why is that person eligible? Why has this person got it and I don't have access to it? And this is a conversation that happens during COVID too around well, you came in in the first wave and then yeah. they're coming through in the second wave. Some people um, weren't I, eligible I for had months. A, I had people angry because I was able to get my first dose of first mm. doses of vaccine fairly early because I'm a carer. Yeah. And it's just like, no, if yeah. I get it, then the person I care for... Mm. Uh, can potentially die. Yeah, and I don't work frontline, but I work in a healthcare setting. So I was yeah. not in the first phase, but I was earlier on, and no one got like angry with me, but they were like, "I'm jealous that you've gotten access yeah. to it first. So it may be that certain people within our community get access to the vaccine first. Um, but I think what we're very good at here, particularly in Australia, and as queer people in this community, is that we're very good at communicating amongst each other and amongst our own networks, like. I can just see when the vaccine rollout is happening that, you know, our SOPVs are really well included, that, you know, community forums are happening and there's a lot of information at our fingertips to help us get access to the vaccine as quickly as we possibly can. What kind of effect has this had on some of the events that are happening in our space at the moment? Uh, well, that was something that we were talking about before we start. I was going to say off air because we're not on air. No. Um, for this <laughs> we are Gorilla Radio. Um, yeah. Uh, so we, I was having a chat with um, the lovely Ben, who we interviewed just um, a couple of weeks back about we um, about Adam's seventh birthday, um, and the Adam parties, the nude parties that happen that are now back at Circuit, um, are going on a bit of a hiatus at the moment, um, and that decision was made kind of in conjunction between Ben as the organizer and uh, Circuit that hosts the party. That um, while case numbers are quite low of monkeypox in. Melbourne and Australia at the moment, um, that they don't want to be the epicentre of an outbreak and they think the most responsible thing to do is for those parties to cease, yeah. um, at least until we have future developments, a drop in cases, vaccine. better access to the vaccine. Mm. Um, so that conversation is ongoing and even though we just had Ben back on, I'm going to suggest that maybe we have Ben along to talk about what kind of led that kind of like health first attitude to this party. Yeah, I think that's the, a great yeah, idea. Putting the community's health above... Well, I financial think, gain. And I think it really thing. does show their uh, commitment there mm. because, yes, being with a whole bunch of naked people in that kind of space, mm. yes, the transmission risk is going to be higher because you've got a lot more capacity for direct personal contact, even because if it's not nude. getting intimate. They're yeah, nude and having sex. There's a lot of people having sex at those parties. And even if you're not someone that goes to have sex, you, mm. you've run up and hugged someone you haven't seen in a while and you're both nude, so you've rubbed your yeah. skin together. Mm. Yes. Um, but that being said, the um, the guidelines from health officials have not been to, you know, closed spaces or to um, there would be people thinking, well, shit, I go to a sex on-premises venue, should I stop going? That's not part of the messaging currently. Obviously, mm. we'll update community if that does change, but I don't think that's going to be part of the conversation that we're having in right. the same way that yep. venues had to close because of COVID. Um, and something that Ben uh, from Adam has done before is do Adam Virtuel, which is online yes. nude events. They also have started having some drinks across the road at the same time. Because a lot of people that go to a party like Adam, that's their one night out a week, and they only see their social engagements, their friends, their acquaintances at that event. So they're like, shit, well, now where do I go? So they're having a clothed 
uh, informal like drinks and pizza kind of catch up. So oh, that'd some, be nice. If you're someone that's gone to an Adam, that's all been included in the email. So if you're on the Adam email list, you'll you'll get all of that um, uh, that info. Before we did wrap up, I just wanted to um, obviously circle back to the conversation we had initially around obviously globally things like HIV impact you know, women and children more than they do gay men, but we see HIV as a gay disease. And there has been those kind of rumblings um, around monkeypox being a gay disease in yeah. quotation marks. Given there's the context of the lesions. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but also just because the vast majority of cases globally, I think 98% of cases globally have occurred in men who have sex with men and in intimate contact settings. So while it's not an STI and while it's not a gay disease, um, a, we, we need to not posit it as a gay disease because then we're going to miss people when, you know, yeah. children turn up to school and they have sores, they might not be considered as having monkeypox yeah. and gotten it from, you know, hugging their mum. Mm. We want to avoid that happening. Um, but also, because the cases are occurring predominantly in men who have sex with men, we, we need to balance that with effective targeted health messaging campaigns and understanding that while it's not a gay disease, there is a higher risk for some people that are having large amounts of casual sex. With, They're you know, hug- with hugging their daddy instead. Exactly. Mm. Hugging, <laughs> hugging a different kind of daddy. Um, <laughs> Sorry. And so being aware of our risk um, and then taking the appropriate actions for them. And if you're in our communities, staying attuned to what is happening, you know, Prepster in the UK is doing some fantastic stuff. Acon is doing some fantastic stuff. Thorn Harbour, all of our kind of key sexual health agencies um, are doing some really important work um, and our PLHIV com- um, communities as well. So just staying abreast of everything that's going on in the space. Um, and again, to reiterate, we would love to hear from our listeners as well. Yes. Absolutely. You're probably hearing this and going, wow, I have so many questions. <laughs> How can people get the questions to us, Michael? They can strap them to a willing ferret and let it loose and just hope it gets to us. <laughs> I think Good that might be that. less effective than contacting us via email at hideandseek.joy.org.au. I mean, sure. If you don't have readily available access to a ferret, sure. As a second okay, option. Who does? <laughs> what happened to doves and things? No, ferrets only. No, too much bird flu. Ferrets only. Um, so, yes, you can jump on uh, our email, which is hideandseek.joy.org.au. You can jump onto our socials. Uh, if you head to our Instagram, Twitter, Facebook pages, we've got a link to our anonymous submission tool, which is the NGL app. Um, and we'll kind of collect and see what those kind of questions look like. And then we'll find the appropriate people to answer them, whether that's just we post a response on our socials mm. or whether we invite them onto the program. We kind of unpack some of this nitty gritty a little bit more, again, especially as we get closer to, fingers crossed, access to vaccines. Indeed. That sounds really good. And we've been talking a lot about monkeypox, but what other things are out there in the community at the moment? I know Ferrets. <laughs> Certainly lots of gonorrhea. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, STIs are on the rise, mm-hmm. as we like to say, um, mm. and they haven't not been for some time. Oh, yeah, gone yeah. for herpaclap. Exactly. Yep. Um, so now, obviously, we don't have access to a monkeypox vaccine and... Other than that, there's not a lot you can do about it, about managing your risk. Um, but now is a good time to be just thinking broadly about your sexual health and whether it is time to test. We Obviously, for those people that are highly sexually active, men who have sex with men, the sluts, <laughs> the sluts and the whores, we love them. Um, it, is, um, it is winter time, so if you're a seasonal tester, winter is your time to test, mm-hmm. um, keeping in mind that if you have symptoms of monkeypox, then to call ahead to your preferred sexual mm. health clinic to make sure that, Everything's being done 
I was recently at an event, let's say, and uh, two people tested positive to MG. Mycoplasma genitalium. Which, yes, don't um, ask me to say that. You can say it for <laughs> us. <that's fine. laughs> We've talked about MG um, a couple of times on the show before. It's, yeah. Um, yeah. It is a, an STI. It's a bug that you can pick up, um, but it's a bit of a tricky one because it's very highly resistant to... Antibiotics. Um, antibiotics. What yeah. they're finding is that they're treating it most effectively, I believe, with older versions of penicillin like that have gone out of use. Oh, wow. Because they've been out of the cycle for a while. Right. Um, but it's not – it's funny. If you go to a general sexual health centre, you're unlikely to be tested for it. Unless you have symptoms, right? Unless yeah. you have symptoms and they have ruled out because it can look like and feel like other bugs. Yeah. Um, once they've ruled out all of those, they'll then test you for MG – um, and that's primarily because unless you're symptomatic and it's not causing you any harm because it's so hard to treat, mm. um, it's potentially a bad idea to ineffectively treat it, build more resistance yep. when it's not causing you any harm. So I had this conversation with um, a friend of mine when he was diagnosed, he ended up picking it up, um, got tested. I think they were doing a, the reason he got tested. I think he was part of a pilot study that was just testing people at random. They picked it up, but because right. he wasn't, um, uh, wasn't symptomatic, wasn't causing many harm. They said, we're actually not going to treat it. Treat it. And he said, but aren't I just going to pass it to a whole bunch of other people? And they said, yeah, but there's not a lot we can do about wow. it. Wow. Because it's so hard to treat. It's um, it's a bit of a tricky bug, really. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. So we actually don't know how much MG is out there in the community. So, again, if you've never tested for it, how, how yep. could you know? So prevalence is something that we don't really understand about MG. It could be really far-reaching and just only a certain amount of people are symptomatic. So if, um, for argument's sake, if you had gonorrhea mm-hmm. and you don't do anything about it, how bad can that actually get for you? Uh, it can. I don't think, um, like syphilis, it can cause infertility, mm. um, but it can cause, like, latent gonorrhea and latent syphilis can cause some really mm. severe side effects, like infertility in syphilis' case. Um, but you can get some really, like, and chlamydia as well, you can get some, um, like, testicular pain... Wow. Um, Discharge from your penis. Yeah. Uh, but those are all the ones. So if if you've never had symptomatic gonorrhea, if you get symptomatic gonorrhea, you are oh yeah, strapping nine ferrets together and getting that sleigh ready to... <laughs> I know it in a few days. Oh, dear Lord. Uh, we were talking about this before, yeah. we, before we started recording. I Every time I've had gonorrhea, I have been symptomatic and it's within like... Hours. Yeah. Most 20, people are like 24, ding, ding, 48 ding, ding, hours. 48 hours. Da, da, da. I'm like, no, no, within like six hours, my penis is like, hello. <laughs> yeah. I'm here. Time it to burns. Do it burns. Someone yeah, I know was it. saying that their penis was extra sensitive in a more horny way. I have also heard that from other people. Yeah. Um, really? Mm, yeah. They really liked the feeling of it. Well, it, um, it, it sounds really strange, doesn't it? But it it kind of increases sensation. And if you're someone that has like a, a link between like pleasure and pain receptors. Yeah. Um, and th- this person, I don't know whether this had anything to do with it, but this person that I was talking to a while ago about this was uncircumcised and apparently retracting their foreskin. Yes. Bringing on some of that, like not like shooting pain, but a sensation, like, a sensation, like a heated tingle that they were like, uh-huh. I don't hate this. And so, it was unpleasant for them to ejaculate because of the, the pain in their urethra. Yeah. They, they said they were like, I actually didn't hate the overall <laughs> sensation. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay, then. Never like, something not I what I was consider. expecting. No. Mm-mm. Usually I'm like, 
Ow, 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 ow. Yeah. I need to get my PA out yeah, as well. Someone walks oh. near you and you're like, don't touch me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, another one is the inflammation. So mm. urethral inflammation is not a favorite symptom. No. No. Mm. Um, and it, like, I just find it painful when it's happened. Mm. Yeah. And if you are, it, it's a blessing and a curse to be asymptomatic because I'm always symptomatic for Fucking everything. Yeah, same. But it's mm. great to know that I've got something. So A, I don't pass it on, and B, I can get tested. I can get tested and treated as quickly as yep. possible. But it's also a blessing to not have the symptoms to a certain degree. Um, yes. Yeah. But it's difficult. Like if you have like also a partner or partners that are asymptomatic, and you've, you're potentially passing it back and forth, it can be very frustrating to mm. just get treated for it and then get it sent back to you. Pain, uh, real pain. You know what I also dislike? The antibiotics. My stomach hates them, particularly oh, doxycycline. Right. Yeah. It wrecks everything down mm. there. Yeah. There's been some interesting um, further evidence that was presented at the, the AIDS conference this year around um, doxycycline as PrEP, which I think we've talked about before. Yeah, we yes. have. Doxyprep. Yep. yep. Um, and how uh, it's... It's probably not for everyone, but there was some renewed evidence that for those people who were adherent to taking it within, uh, I think, 48 to 72 hours post... As doxypep. As doxypep, that um, it had, amongst those people who were really diligent diligent with it, that it was highly effective. Um, So that, I think, is really interesting and a cause for potentially access rollout amongst a specific group of people, would I suggest we just give everyone in the country <laughs> antibiotics? Absolutely not. No, but especially amongst, not me. Amongst a certain group of people, especially for people whose uh, employment relies on them being STI-free, like yep. our sex worker communities. Oh, are, yes, indeed. Yep. Men who have sex with men particularly, even though a lot of sex workers have very, very high uptake of barrier methods, there are, particularly amongst um sex workers who are men who have sex with men oh, absolutely. that have clients that request or um, want non-barrier method sex, so sex without condoms. Um, and also you can get STIs in different ways. Mm. Um, pharyngeal, pharyngeal to pharyngeal gonorrhea being one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's a real case to be made for selecting a few people that are um, constantly acquiring STIs and going, here is this option that maybe for a while might suit you. Yeah, I think something for those who are considering doxypep or doxyprep to mm. be aware of, though, is uh, doxycycline does have some uh, side effects that people who live in Australia should be a little bit more conscious of. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. avoid, but it does mean be aware that it can cause what's called photosensitivity, mm. so a uh, reaction to light. And it's Australia. We have no Very, ozone layer. Yeah, yeah, we have no ozone layer. Mm-hmm. So if you do have sensitive skin, mm. then the increase in photosensitivity could actually leave you with some nasty sunburns. Which, not good. We don't no. want that. I'm like those gingers that are like, hey, I'm burning, I'm burning. Yes. I'm um, not ginger, by yeah, the way. Yeah, so it can, it can impact your um, photosensitivity and also, Tim, as you mentioned, your like gut microbiome. Um, yeah. Especially if you're someone taking doxyprep where you might be taking doxy every single day mm. for an extended period of time that might have impacts on your gut biome so if you because there isn't a prescription um strategy other than if you're treating other things that you treat with doxycycline yep. um finding a good sexual health doctor that is if they're going to prescribe it making sure that they're making you aware of those side effects and if you experience them what to do to mitigate them whether that's stopping or taking a break 
um, having, you know, yeah. only taking it in winter, not, not in yeah. the summertime if you're particularly sensitive. So, again, factoring in those things that work for you. And mm. you could probably um, put in a, a probiotic as well, just not at the same time. Probably not at the same but time. space them just out gonna... in the day. <laughs> mm. I've yeah. been told by my doctor that actually helps as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because you want those those good gut bacteria as yes. well as getting rid of the bad ones. Yes, Indeed. we need we need the flora. We need the flora. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's episode of it's Hide and Seek. Amazing gorilla radio for you, and not just because we're hairy. <laughs> <laughs> not gorilla radio, gorilla radio. Don't forget all our podcasts, podcast extras, and quickies can be found at joy.org.au forward slash hide and seek. We will see you next time. See you, see you later, time. guys. I'd like a long, hard screw against the wall, please. Get it any way you want it. Hide and seek. Now available as a quickie or podcast. Only at joy.org.au forward slash hide and seek. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy.